spoiler alert. Oh, this is the only fucking podcast about The Sopranos. So what, no fucking ZD now? This week on No Fucking ZD, we're talking about the recipe for Lincoln Log sandwiches, Tony's alteration with Phil, and showing up to school in a dorky raincoat. We got beat up. 12 months they won't record a podcast, and all of a sudden they're the world's foremost authority. It's an all new episode of No Fucking ZD. <laughs> I mean, like, we've lied a lot. I mean, we, we've lied a lot to our, our listeners, but we didn't want to lie this time, I guess. Like, it's it's different. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just feels like in these trying times, we just needed to kind of be like an honest guiding light in people's lives. Yeah. You know, it's important not to, like, politicize the podcast and be just... <laughs> be straightforward about stuff i don't know what i'm talking about right <laughs> I, I guess you could i guess you could say if we had dealt with everything earlier though it would have been less of a disaster all around though. right yeah that is true we we had multiple <laughs> podcasts we had about. multiple warnings on twitter that uh that had we done the podcast earlier we would have lost less people but we ignored them right but <laughs> but you know what a lot of like you got a really long podcast last time so is it worth yeah, it yeah that's true maybe maybe it's worth it Maybe we didn't. Need, I I don't know maybe, for who exactly. Maybe we didn't need those people. And look, you got a two-hour podcast. Yeah, that's just yeah. what happens. So, so what we're saying is, you're welcome, and um, you know, good to be back. So, it, it is good to be back. Yeah. I, I it was it was fun doing the the show last time. This episode is not going to be two hours. Like, no, we should be clear. We um, yeah. It turns out quarantine is actually one of the busiest times ever for everybody between all the happy hours and the zooms and the house parties and all this stuff. So, um, so we're just going to get right to it. And uh, somehow the two of us are still working also. I mean, you, especially you're, you're very busy. I seem to be, yeah, things, things will hopefully slow down. And then, um, after that, I may never have a job again. Who knows how this, how this is going to go. Exactly. We don't know if jobs are going to exist after this, you know, like, yeah, we really don't. Society's changing. Well, everybody's just, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. No more air travel. There will be AirPods, but not airplanes, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. It'll be like old-timey stuff where you just kind of stick to wherever you happen to, to be. Like, I think that's that's probably reasonable, you know? Yeah. Like, the hour-long uh, drive you took out to Pennsylvania, was, is that's like a big trek. It's like going to go Oregon Trail style, I feel like. It's like, holy fuck, you made yeah. it one state over. Yeah, yeah. And we lost a lot of people along the way to things like dysentery. Yes. Um, yep. But, you know, well worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually concerned about uh, actually seeing people in person when this is all done. I, I worry that that's going to be, be very weird. awkward. It's going to yeah. be weird. It's I. OK, so like today I was cleaning in, in my bedroom and my back windows looked down onto the, the garden level of um, the backyard for the whole building, which my downstairs neighbors, you know, that's a part of their apartment. And I saw other people in their backyard, like with them chatting and they were like apart, but it was just like really weird seeing other people. I was like, what the fuck? It like really yeah. was a strange sort of sensation. And 
Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be really weird seeing people. I mean, I'm telling people to, I mean, we talked about this, but I'm telling people to fuck right off when I'm walking around. You know, it's like, yeah. there's no time for this. Right, so not much has changed with you, really, since pre and uh, post-quarantine. No. Still, still just telling people to fuck off all over the, the, the neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm thriving because of coronavirus, because I've been waiting for a good excuse to tell people to fuck off for years. Yeah. And so yeah. f- it's finally You've socially acceptable to go outside <laughs> and say, hey, fuck off, you know, and people go, oh, I'm sorry, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now they're apologizing to you, which is great. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do kind of wish I had a car, though, like I would drive and go for like a hike or go to a beach. I mean, I do it at like two in the morning so that no one was around, but just to like right. get some outdoor alone time. Like right now, the only alone time or the only like clearing your head time that you have really or that I have is like staying up a little later than my wife and yeah like that's that 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 can only go on for so long (laughs) you know what what I mean you can't push that too hard although I finished Tiger King last night interesting what you think I thought the ending was really interesting how he was like he was he he like comes to this realization after he's in in jail about how he's kept animals in cages and that maybe he's an asshole. Like it's just <laughs> like I I wanted them to have like the the Joe exotic equivalent of like the the Indian guy with the tear shedding, you know, in the, the that old commercial, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh poor baby. But like these people <laughs> are all so cra- I just can't believe that these people dress the way that they do. Like especially the Vegas guy. Like, oh, yes, by the way, I'm calling that Halloween costume this year. If there's a Halloween, I'm being Jeff Lowe and <laughs> doing like the, the, the whatever, you know, the, the Oakley hat, the, the Oakley hat, Oakley sunglasses. <laughs> incredible. Incredible. Um, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to be I'm, I'm, I'm going to be Anthony Fauci. Nice. I like that, too. Yeah. I'm going to have to walk around on my knees. So, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be cool. <laughs> Um, and people people should listen to you, but some of them still won't, you know, things like that. It's just sort of like being me and being us anyway. You know what I mean? Right. It's basically we're that's like the true. Anthony Fauci's of our lane. <laughs> yes, know? very true. We relate. We've always we've always related to him. For yes, sure. absolutely. Just like highly regarded in the field, um, but not a lot of mainstream support. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you drinking on today, Brendan? Uh, I have a, a Guinness, just a Guinness draft stout. Um, my my father in law had some extra. I guess we woke up one day. We're social distancing from them. They're they're far away from us, but I'm also social distancing day. from my in laws, and not just because of coronavirus. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, we he dropped off just a whole like a, a bucket of like a couple like half full wine bottles and uh just one guinness can so i'm gonna have that and i'm gonna switch over to a singtao because that's my uh i just i I was craving just like a you know china something chinese (laughs) yeah yeah something chinese i was i miss uh that's the that's the thing i miss right now is that we can't go and hang out at our chinatown spots and i know you know our text thread the other our text thread the other day with our you know the group chat turned into like a sexting, but about Chinese food. It was like really funny. Yeah. It was like, girl, I want to take you to Noodle Town. <laughs> and then it was like, no, I want to take you to Noodle Town and this place. And someone else was like, yo, but we could also go to Popeyes. And it was just like, <laughs> everyone was just jacking off talking about Chinese food yeah. and going out to eat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a very erotic conversation about all the food we're going to have once this thing is finally over. Yeah, yeah. We're going to spend this economy back back up. Um, yeah, we, we will single-handedly bring it back. Using, so I don't want anyone out there worrying. Yeah, with cash-only Chinese restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right. So I, I, all right. I, I suppose that I spoke too soon with the last episode, maybe. I think that... I think that... Chrissy dying and, you know, just in general, Kennedy and Heidi is a real tough episode. Mm-hmm. But I kind of realized when I was watching this one, like this podcast is never going to be that fun again because it's just we're just going down the rabbit hole of darkness, you know? Yes. Uh, all of these these episodes at the end just get increasingly bleak. Yeah. Um, with some moments of, uh, you know, that old kind of excitement that you felt in the early seasons. Like, yeah. you know, I have to say as much as as dark as this season has been and as dark as they've taken Tony, because it just feels like every single episode he was just getting kind of worse. There are the <laughs> yeah. moments in there are the moments in this one where you're just like, you know, fuck yeah again. You know, when mm-hmm. he obviously when he when he saves AJ, this is of course the episode where AJ tries to kill himself, but uh, when he beats up Coco and, you know, just from that that whole sequence from Meadow telling him about the Coco thing to him going through with beating up Coco. You know, you're back to just being like, yeah, fuck yeah, this guy is awesome. Yeah, you know? totally. He's... <laughs> yeah. And it's it's funny because he's like got the suit on and it, it kind of like, I don't know. He has such a like dad at work vibe with the way he dresses these days in like in these last yeah. episodes. It's like, it's funny how he like gets home from work and he's like wearing his, his like work. Cl- I don't know. It just like felt really it like hit home for me. I mean, I do love that they've still found, I mean, this episode written by Terry Winter. I I love yeah. that um, they find time for a little bit of humor every now and then. Like, I think that, yeah. I think my favorite scene is when, is AJ's uh, therapy session, group therapy session with, uh, well, I guess it's not technically group therapy, but his, his therapy session with, with Tony and Carmela in the room. And, He's just like listing shit off that traumatized him over the years. And none of it is like even coming close to what we know is really going on. But right. he says, but when he's mentioning that Livia said something to him, you know, about how it's all a big nothing, he, the, the, you know, Tony's like, when? And, or someone's like, when? And he, he goes, it was when she was in that nursing home. And you see Tony's face just be like, like <laughs> they, they brought back the nursing home joke for like one last curtain call. You know what I mean? It was yes. amazing. That that killed me. There's a there's like a whole strip of images online that someone compiled of like all the the retirement home nursing nursing community uh, or sorry nursing, retirement whatever. retirement community uh, retirement community nursing home. Um, just that whole just every joke throughout the entire series and the fact that it ends on that is just like an image of Tony with his head in his hands just crashing the fuck up. I know. And, uh, and, I, I love that. And think about the peripheral like what's sort of surrounding all of that. Like he's got Coco's tooth in his cuff. His son just tried to kill yeah. himself, and it's also it's just one of the funniest Soprano scenes ever. If you can get in the spirit of it, it's so dark. But you know, and I forget what age it is, but he's like AJ's like, and also like third grade or whatever it was. He goes, "You made, you sent me to school in that dorky raincoat." Uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> like, yeah. and there's a, a great, just like perfectly timed beat, and then he's like, "I got beat up over that." I got just, beat up uh, over it's, that. Yeah. It's all so good. It's amazing. Um, uh, Robert Eiler like deserves like 
every cent. You know, he's worth every penny. He's so he, yeah. he grew to be such an incredible comedic actor. You know what I mean? Right. Whether he was aware of it or not, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I'm sure they all got the comedy of the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure. I was thinking about that again. Just, um, you know, all all the hate that he was getting and probably still kind of gets, um, you know, obviously it's tougher when you're a kid. Like he, he definitely grew into he came into his own, if you will, as an actor. I think so. Um, the early seasons are definitely a little rougher because he's just so young and probably doesn't really get it. But, you know, that scene, like the scene when he, uh, you know, attempts to commit suicide is just incredible um, all the way through. It's it's really uh, incredible stuff. But also, I mean, let's give our let's give some credit to the direction and the writing also, because I feel like a really good director says to Robert Eiler, hey, you're going to complain about this raincoat, but just like be really serious about it. Like it's like a really big deal. You know what I mean? Or or something like that, you know? Um, oh yeah that's i mean that's like you know the playing it straight is just always the best way to go you know mm-hmm. um if they really like went for laughs it would just come off as a uh, a lesser show being really cheesy but like they knew that the seriousness of it and just the setting that it's a, a mob boss and his wife and son in a group therapy session <laughs> talking about you know all that stuff is just naturally very funny well it's incredible but I, I, are we ready to cut to some meat because like that's one of the funniest moments of the show and um, yeah and now we're fresh out of them um so but, <laughs> um, but like i i was thinking about this it hit me in the wee small hours last night while i was finishing a lesser show tiger king and um mm-hmm. i realized something pretty important because you know you have made the astute observation in the past that um you know, when we get a when we get a Chrissy episode, we get an AJ episode, and um, usually it's in the same episode. But this time they spread it out over the course of two episodes, so that we get the fate of you know Tony's, you know, Tony's two children, and then you know Meadows' fate is sort of shoehorned into this because who cares? You know, a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's much more interesting dealing with AJ at this point. You know, it's like everything's kind of swapped. AJ is now the more interesting kid. Um, yeah, but. Um, that's not to say that there's nothing interesting going on with Meadow, but for now, like, you know, AJ's the hot zone. So, um, but what I was thinking about was that like, okay, so now it's not in the same episode. We got a Chrissy episode and now we're getting an AJ episode. They're really, really similar episodes in some ways because, you know, our, our inciting incident our the death, you know, happens fairly early on in both episodes earlier than I remember, like, you know, especially yeah. AJ killing himself, trying to kill himself, but he can't even do that. Right. Um, <laughs> but not to, not to dig up, uh, an old episode that we did last week. I can't come up with a metaphor. Um, <laughs> do you think, I mean, Chrissy had the death wish too. He, Chrissy knew that yeah. he was playing with fire with with being high at this thing. And I remember when I first saw that episode, I was like, man, he's like so conspicuously high. He's got to know. He's a seasoned drug addict, you know? Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's been hiding this shit for a really long time. And I think that they're they're very similar in that neither of them can kind of like stand this world. And like, it's easy to kind of pawn Chrissy's drug, drug addiction off on that and be like, yeah, he couldn't stand this world. So he's got to do drugs. But I think he also, like, yeah. it's like, it's like death by cop. You know what I mean? The way that Chrissy yeah. did this. That's a great point for sure. I mean, he was always like yes! that even, 
points. Um, he, you know, like you think back to uh, season one and the legend of Tennessee Moltisanti when they're talking about that and that, you know, that awesome scene where Tony's just like flipping out on Christopher and, you know, Christopher's just saying that like sleeping is the only thing he still enjoys. I mean, uh, it's played for like some great comedy and stuff, but like they, they talk about suicide in that conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, these guys are all, uh, or at least like the guys within the, you know, family, Tony, Chris and AJ are, are definitely all, you know, have very close relationships with these feelings, I think, you know? Well, and they're all, um, they've all clearly thought multiple times about killing themselves. Like Tony admits yeah. it to Carmela at one point, um, I think. And, uh, you know, there's also that conversation after, I think, I, I think when Eugene hangs himself, you know, everyone's like taking the easy way out. Like you believe that shit. And everyone's just like, mm. uh, you know, yeah. everyone's kind of just, like really playing it up like yeah man like that's so like ridiculous you know and it's like yeah uh, it's like it's like homo it's like suicide phobia from but like you know in that like the way that people are homophobic sometimes where it's like i think there's a little something else going on here you know what i mean oh absolutely yeah i mean they just don't know how to and also i mean there's that scene um after it happens um, and by it, I mean, we should just, you know, just in case for some strange reason, someone started listening to this podcast, this episode, we're talking about the episode where AJ tries to kill himself. That should be very obvious by now. <laughs> but uh, after that happens, there's a scene um, in the back of the bing, which is amazing that after Tony's son tries to kill himself, he goes to a strip club with his just to hang with his crew. Um, but As no one knows does. how to really approach the situation. Like when Tony first walks in people are just asking him like you know non-consequential uh inconsequential just you know they're avoiding the subject entirely oh, yeah. until finally tony brings it up like these guys just don't know how to really um you know be in touch with their feelings well and they don't know, you know how to I mean? be they don't know how to comfort someone either because they're just like oh yeah that happened to me and he's like wow your kid mm-hmm. tried to kill themselves and he's like no but like he got bad grades <laughs> once you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just like really brutal to like Tony's really looking for someone to relate to there and just keeps coming up empty handed. It even happens with Carmine when he meets with Carmine, little Carmine, like toward the end of the episode, you know, little Carmine's Mm -hmm. like, if you need anything, I'm sorry to hear about AJ, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, little Carmine is like, yeah, you know, like I forget what his daughter's name is. Who cares? But he's just like, you know, (laughs) little, little Carmina, you know, she had her bout with anorexia and stuff, which by the way, like checks out, like, Little Carmine's yes. daughter totally has a bout with anorexia. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, and Tony's like, Oh, she tried to, she tried to ki- kill herself. And he goes, no, not really. And he goes, and then Tony <laughs> says, Tony says, Oh, but she had a, she had, she had a tough time or a rough batch or something. And then, and then Carmine goes, not that bad. Anyway, like, it's <laughs> like, she's better now. She's better now. Yeah. Like completely pulling the rug out from under him. It's, it's at least- hilarious. At least little Carmine comes in and gets right to it, though. Like right away, he's just, you know, if if you need anything with AJ, like I'm I'm there. You know, like, he's uh, he's shown many times that he's a lot more in touch with his feelings than these other guys. You know, he might be uh, very stupid and using all kinds of uh, malapropisms and whatnot, but he's like at least emotionally intelligent in a way that, uh, I mean, I guess. 
in a way at least that like uh the other guys kind of like shy away from because tony's emotionally intelligent too but he just refuses to show it you mm-hmm. know most of the time well Carmine's not afraid of that little carmine it's like part of his shtick and his like ego is that he's like well you know i'm like i i understand like the actual world or something like outside of this Goomba mafioso shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. He thinks true. of himself as like very cosmopolitan and very complex right. and things like that. Right. <laughs> but he, true, That's true. He I guess. truly is not, you know? Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, can we have a little Carmine appreciation moment here? Because like, you know, I love the way that these like low key important people have like such a big effect on the show. You know, like we've talked, mm-hmm. we've talked Matouche to death for sure. But, um, mm-hmm. it, like, it, it's it's such an amazing thing that Little Carmine turns out to be such a linchpin for the show. Um, yeah. In, like, a very serious way. And also, like, it's, like, great storytelling that after shit starts to hit the fan with Phil uh, in this episode, this time around, you know, Little, Car- Little Carmine's the one who's sort of, like, the lifeline. And he's clearly, like grown or something i don't know it's like things are just like different with carmine now it seems he's like more mature and Mm. so like we learn something like oh little carmine's been in the background like growing up a little bit at age 50 or whatever you know yeah i think i mean I, i would say a huge part of that is just that he did get in touch with himself and maybe kind of is more uh you know truthful to himself about who he is or something i don't know i don't know i i, I obviously don't want to uh, intellectualize little carmine too much because it kind of ruins the joke yeah but yeah yeah sure. <laughs> at the same time but I, I know what you mean though i mean um one of the last times we saw him uh in 6a right was tony at the golf course or was that season five at this point uh <laughs> the the iced tea and him flopping on the bed the and, and the whatnot yeah yeah and there's the dream of happiness and just kind of realizing that there's like maybe a little something more uh, outside of this mafia world. I mean, of course, he's still connected and always will be because it benefits him, benefits him in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. um, he at least is, has gotten out of Jersey and New York and, and uh, you know, found something outside of this world that, you know, has preoccupied his time or something. No, I totally agree. I mean, I think that it's... Um it's an interesting play to have him kind of swoop in here. Um, should, yeah. should we, should we back up a little bit and kind of yeah. talk about what the beginning of this episode a little bit more and what AJ is going through? Yes. I think we, I think we should, you know, go through the motions here a little bit and uh, yeah. work our way up to the, the pool scene. Um, obviously <laughs> when you say the pool uh, scene, this is not what comes to mind just at face value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously he's had, he's been in a, a, a bit of a spiral since, uh, Blanca. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, um, you know, he kind of found his way out of that just with the pure adrenaline rush of kind of, um, you know, being a bad boy, if you will. And now he's sunk back into the depths of depression. Um, you know, he's, he has an illness, like Tony says, they they have a hereditary illness, they do, but it's also like just, uh, you know, it's the ocean of cosmic dread that is just kind of always growing with the lifestyle that they have, you know? I mean, right. Anthony is so dissociated from his actual feelings because like even in that therapy appointment, 
post pool scene, you know, he's only yelling at Carmela really, you know, about the dorky raincoat, etc. Right. And it's like it's a that's like classic therapeutic, like you know, he's freak, he's angry and super upset, but he's he's really hammering on the the safer parent. You know, he mm-hmm. he can't really broach what the real problem is. You know, in fact, neither of neither of the soprano kids ever do that, except for when um, Meadow says. Oh, look at Mr. Mob Boss, you know? Mm. It's really the only time throughout the entire series when someone, you know, they kind of, you know, they mention the fi- the 500-pound elephant in the room, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually, thinking of her as the safer parent. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um, well, it's like, cla- it's it's like true, classic guess, yeah. divorced parents shit where, like, kids are always freaking out on the, the, the more stable parent, you know? Um, and why is that exactly it's just a tell because they're like afraid they're afraid of losing them you know like if mm-hmm. if someone um you know like the parent that moved out is generally not the one who's getting hammered on as hard um mm. as the one who's like got the air of safety around them because like they're still in the same house and stuff like that there's there's it's a safe place to get angry whereas like you're afraid of pushing you know tempting fate or like pushing the other parent away like further um, mm. you know, if you're, you know, it, it feels riskier, you know, and certainly, I mean, it's completely understandable why yelling at Tony about, you know, how horrible he is for the world is like a little bit dangerous or scary to say the least, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've seen him, uh, you know, obviously blow up on AJ before. Um, and it even goes back to when he was just, a kid, you mm-hmm. know, and that whole that whole exchange where he's just kind of like saying, like, this is my heir, you know, this is my male heir, AJ. Like, they've always oh, had yeah. a kind of rough time, and and I guess that you know, AJ and Carmela have always been, they've had a little, you know, a much cuter little relationship as he was growing up, and we're a lot closer. Oh sure. yeah, I mean, well, and think about when when Tony and Carmela separate. It's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, she's trying really yeah. hard with the the Ringo star and the whatnot and you know and he's just being such a little prick to her meanwhile yeah. like you know Tony tells him to do his Spanish homework or whatever and he goes upstairs and does it you know that's right. that yeah. that's not that's not salt of the earth like authority you know that's you know that's like what Carmela yeah. says you know like AJ's afraid of him you know and who wouldn't be yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's nothing you can um, do about that. Hence the suicide and the Lincoln Log sandwiches and the whatnot. You know. Yeah, I mean, even um, you know, I mean, it's uh, as Tony's saving him, he's also just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> you know, like he comes around, and it actually is a really nice moment where he's cradling AJ. It's incredible. Um, it's 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 incredible and, and believable, also, which is hard. Yeah. Um, it definitely got me a lot more watching this time than it has in the past. Because hmm. I think, like, the first time through, you're just, you know, there's a, a lot of suspense to that scene the first time through. I, I kind of fully expected AJ to actually commit suicide because this is just that type of show where, mm-hmm. you know, they, they might cut to Adriana driving to California, but then they smash cut to, nope, she's in the car with Silvio. And the worst possible thing is actually the thing that does happen. 
So, like, well, in a weird but in, way, ma- in, I, in I, many ways, the worst possible thing did happen, which is that AJ is stuck in this world that's been created for him. You know, much well, like much like true. Tony. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that like suicide is the answer. This is not what I'm saying. You know, like <laughs> obviously <laughs> that's this what is, I'm hearing. Obviously, this is the better outcome. Maybe for <laughs> us, but like obviously, this is the better outcome. You know, um, right? As far as he's still alive, but yeah, I guess that's true. Like that, he is trapped. He is trapped. Yeah, in like a in a poetic way, it's actually a, a worse outcome. I guess is it poetic? Yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like these writers just they knew what they were doing. You know, really impressive. Right. I can't tell if you're being facetious <laughs> or not, but I agree. <laughs> I'm being both. To be honest, I, <laughs> yeah, both. I am. I am uh, impressed. I have to say, just play so, it straight. Well, I mean, you want to talk? Yeah. You want to talk about Yates for a second? Yeah, uh, I didn't really do my homework this time and go back and reread that poem, but um, oh. let's talk about it. Well, basically, I think you mean Yeats, by the way. Isn't it Yeats? No, it is Yeats. Yes, but AJ oh. refers to it as Yeats because he's <laughs> just even, even in his education, he's still a little surface level. Yeah, I know. He's just he's he's like a TikTok philosopher, basically. He, AJ would fully be on TikTok, like hard. Yes. Um, yeah. Or like managing a TikTok star, you know, we're trying to make like some hot girl go viral on TikTok. Yeah, exactly. By reading Yeats, you know, yeah, Yeats is bitching. Um, so <laughs> uh, the poem is essentially it was written like right after World War One, when yeah. obviously there were a lot of feelings of dread. And essentially, like the idea behind the poem is like, maybe the second coming isn't of Jesus is not a good thing. You know, maybe it's actually going to be this mm. monster and it's the end of, of, of society and civilization. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's essentially saying like, um, evil has a lot more energy than good does. And that mm-hmm. there's this faceless or not faceless, but, uh, like expressionless, emotionless, evil beast. That is, um, the compared to the sun where it's like, sort of like, just indifferent and kind of like, and when you read the poem, it like makes me think a little bit about Tony's facial expression as he, as he suffocates Christopher, you know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's just cold and not, it's a, it's, it's a big nothing, you know what I mean? And, um, right. And so, uh, but yeah, essentially the poem is about that. And like, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, one of the things is that, um, we're going back to vintage AJ. It's a second coming on so many yeah. levels. We're going back to vintage yeah. AJ, which with his philosophers, and you know, from season one, I want to say um, season two, season two, around, around the time of the confirmation. Yeah. Right, right, the confirmation, and he's like into Master P, but also, uh, <laughs> also um, Sartre and like or whatever. Um, but. Uh, and and Melfi has to explain um, what's it called existentialism to Tony, Tony. and he's yeah. she's talking about after World War One and World War Two like people couldn't didn't know what to do with the atrocities and so they turned to this right. this different way of thinking and um, but it's also I mean I think that the Second Coming so we're getting some vintage AJ we're also getting vintage Tony I mean how long has it been since we've seen Tony actually put his hands on someone you know. I know. Yes, absolutely. Like in a real way, um, aside from Jason Giamatti or whatever, Mister Mister Teenage Bloomfield, um, it's been a <laughs> it's, it's been a really long time, you know. 
It has, yeah. Um, and we'll probably want to take a break in a couple of seconds, so we'll, we'll for a couple of minutes. We'll talk about that more in the second half. But like, I definitely think that, um, yeah. I mean, they kind of start going back to that old season one, season two, just allure of the mob. You know, I mean, they have Elliot Kufferberg there talking about how well he hasn't really read too much about Tony in the paper recently. You know, they're just kind of again um, reminding us of like. You know, we've watched him do all these horrible things. We watched him kill his nephew last week. Like, here's a reminder, actually, of how exciting this could be. Yeah. And also, I mean, like, when you see him come home and save AJ, like, there is something, um, you know, like, you see his... Um, it's redeeming. I don't I don't know. You, yeah, but redeeming, but also, like, I guess usefulness is maybe the right word. I'm not really sure how to describe it, but, you know, he's, like, this, this like, big, strong animal coming in there and, like, saving his cub, you know, like, jumping mm-hmm. into the pool, like, like, lifting AJ, who's tied to a cinder block, just up by basically one hand and, you know, saving the day. There is something, like, I guess you can kind of see the safety and having someone like Tony Soprano around. That's true. Know? It is a very primal scene and the feeling of yeah. it, you know, and the fact that he just uh, jumps right in with his suit on, you know, and doesn't even think about yeah. it, which I guess you, He's, you exactly. do if you're a parent, yeah. you're not like, Oh, let me get my jacket off and put my cell phone down. You know what I mean? Like, right. He knows what's going on and doesn't think twice, but wait, I want to yeah. go back. I want to go back to Kufferberg for just a second. Cause, yes. um, and then we'll take a break. I think that what's really interesting about that scene is that Kufferberg doesn't know what Melfi's talking about for a couple of minutes. And right. Well, so he says, I guess. I mean, well, uh, yeah, I guess no, yeah, I be- it seems pretty I, legit. I believe it. And because he's so weird about that stuff for so long, you know, and like, you know, we get that there's that scene where he's like watching TV at home with his wife and he's like, I had my money on what's his name the whole time. You know what I mean? And, um, like when New York was going at it. And I think that like there's, I I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something in there where it's like, I think that what it's saying is that the magic is sort of gone, you know? Cause he's like, huh? Mm. Who are you talking about? Oh, Mm. okay. Yeah. I guess that's right. You know? And I think that maybe it's like, there's something sort of like foul and stale about the shenanigans and like all of the shit that these people are doing to each other. Like the, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, the fun is like sort of gone a little bit in the show because they're like, yeah, they're awful. Like we can't dance around that anymore. And the fact that Elliot Kupferberg, who was like really shamelessly like intrigued by all of it for so long. um, I think that, I think that that's sort of a very, uh, I don't know. It's like an audience connection sort of moment because that that because mm. the therapy scenes are sort of the Greek chorus where they kind of like clue us in, and it's just like, yeah, this isn't fun for anybody anymore. You know, it's like right. it's like kind of rote and old news, and it's like, oh, that guy's still doing that shit. God, you know yeah, what I mean? That's true. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a good point too. Um, I mean, I think there's also obviously we'll get to this a lot more next week because he'll play like a pretty big role in melfi ultimately dumping tony but um you know he's he's also his own three-dimensional character in the sense that he just kind of wants to be right uh, and like he's weirdly controlling and condescending and oh yeah uh, i guess i guess you know the term wasn't around then but he's he's a little mansplainy i think that uh oh yeah he would trend he'd be trending on twitter these days um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's a really good point i mean in a lot of ways you know you should be feeling pretty grossed out at this point um 
in the series with you know uh with tony and and also it's just it's just things are changing like the crew as there's all these like unrecognizable faces like the fun guys are kind of gone now um and we'll of course get to next week where they really start to thin thin out well and it's also um, a lot more like the whole mafia thing is so much more utilitarian now like tony has set it up in a way where like yes you are insulated and you're making tons of money and you have your guys in there and it's this thing that runs itself but like you know, you've been telling yourself your whole adult life, like you just wanted to get to this point where you could insulate yourself and then just make a ton of money and like mm-hmm. and and kind of like not be, you know, uh, in play or not be sort of um, at risk, you know, mm-hmm. but it's the risk that makes it fun. He's fucking, you know, and like whether he says it or not, I think that everybody's sort of like alluding to that a little bit that like, yeah, well, it's like without that is, is is it just about the money in other words you know what i mean mm-hmm. like and so without that he's kind of like dying a little bit you know what i mean and he's yeah. like wow I mean, i'm not having fun anymore fuck you know yeah and i don't know if he would ever necessarily ask himself this question in this way but you know now we're seeing like well is it really worth it you know mm-hmm. i've passed down this horrible uh you know i mean for uh, there is of course the genetic aspects of depression but his lifestyle has also been passed down to his kids and is obviously fucking them up pretty bad yeah and but i think you know he'll maybe realize that for a day or two and have that epiphany and then once he sees like a new shiny you know a new shiny object or another just like envelope full of cash he'll kind of forget about it again which is kind of the sad tragic just yeah you know cycle he's stuck in totally Um, well, yeah. We, let's take a break because we don't want to. Yeah, on that note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of sad, tragic cycles. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's take a break. And I want to check to make sure that I recorded myself, which is always yes. cool. I mean, I, I'm, ter- I'm terrified. Our listeners have no idea how many times we've actually done a whole half of a podcast and then realized that we didn't record it. Like, I'd say that is yeah. five times, maybe between five at and least, ten. At least certainly. five times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people ask why we take the breaks when we don't really have advertising, and uh, this is why. <laughs> we need to make sure that it's all good and recorded. Well, it's, so. it's, we go back to the writer's room, and you know, we do we, we workshop a couple of things. We do notes, you know, and then yeah. uh, and then we come back fresh, you know, the next day. Yeah. It's usually the next day that we come yeah, back yeah, yeah. and do totally. the second half. So I'll see you tomorrow. All scripted. Okay, <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, good night. All right. Um, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back in a few. <laughs> No fucking ZD is brought to you by the ultimate absurdity of life. They see me rolling, they hating, patrolling and trying to catch me riding dirty. 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 My music so loud. One of my all-time questions about this episode is why the fuck it opens with that song. Like, essentially. It's yeah. the, one of the weirdest. It's a truly strange moment. He like wakes up and he listens to it and he's like clearly ponderous. Is that a word? He's ponderous. Yeah. I, he, he's, I don't know. 
he's mulling something. I don't know. He's, he kind of like really does give it a, he's like, hmm, the artist chameleonaire. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I mean, I don't know. I guess he's just so depressed he can't even enjoy chameleon air anymore. He just he's looking for that jolt, you know, that riding dirty <laughs> jolt. And he <laughs> just telling me not to read into it too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The uh I feel like the show had a, a weird relationship with uh modern hip hop when it was airing. Um and that's really it, true. You know, um maybe there's a bit of like an okay boomer thing going on there where uh uh, or okay, greatest generation. Even I'm not even sure what we uh, what's Terry Winter's not part of the greatest generation. No. <laughs> I feel <laughs> well, like he would be so about... mad if you heard that. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think I don't know. I think that's they were. Are so you great. saying that Chameleon Air is a boomer or perhaps a member of the greatest generation? <laughs> yeah, he's he's like 85 years old, right? I think. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, a veteran uh, of two wars. I think they the show usually did such a great job with their music selection and um, just music producing, and then sometimes I feel like it was kind of like a joke to them. The uh, the modern hip hop, not that Chameleon Air isn't kind of a joke, but you know. Um, I thought you were going to say not that Chameleon Air isn't very serious music. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he sold. He he was one of the first people to put a song uh, up as a ringtone that you could buy, and that out that song sold like a million copies or something, which is huge. But he definitely sold like ten million ringtones or something. Like everyone had that fucking song. God, that is insane. I might- and then I think that the second one was Chingy, right there. You know. Remember oh that? yes! Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, Chingy also did a lot of a lot of ringtones. Yeah. I'm going to set my ringtone to that now, I think, actually. <laughs> it's, it's a good song. <laughs> Ride and dirty. Um, um, so, all right. Well, okay. <laughs> it's it's funny listening to Chameleon Air in the face of this, because I guess it actually sets us up really well, because it's a song that's like so silly. Like We were just listening to it a second ago, like, and you can't help but kind of laugh and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but immediately. You see it in the episode, you see it in the episode, and it's like, just straight like i don't even it doesn't register i'm just like hmm, interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah uh i mean you know maybe if we do want to try and get like a little little deep here like i i guess there's just this you know um just emptiness of pop culture versus all the things aj thinks are a lot more important than um the nonsense he sees in the world versus you know everything he's kind of reading about on Al Jazeera and watching on PBS Frontline, and so maybe there's that. That's true. Um, that like you know just enjoying something frivolous is uh as as you know he's it's lost its luster for him, and it's it is his dark depressing episode that he's having. Yeah, I think that that's true. I think also the Chameleonaire song is definitely like about the police trying to like arrest you and stuff and like they can't mm. catch me blah 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 yeah. and maybe maybe he's hearing that and he's like no this is my real life and i'm sad you know <laughs> and so that's why he's not into it you know I'd like to point out that I feel like of all the Sopranos podcasts, this is the only one where you're going to get an in-depth, uh, you know, discussion on why they use Ride and Dirty by Chameleon Air in the episode. Right. Well, I actually saw, I mean, I, not to throw anyone under the the bus or into the pool <laughs> not to throw anyone into the pool um but i saw a tweet by a, a lesser podcast and 
they said something about how like, you know, like, ooh, like Tony figured out Ralphie's big secret. And it was like a picture of him pulling the wig off. And I'm like, that's what you got from that scene? Is that <laughs> fucking Ralphie wears a wears a toupee? Like, yeah. Ugh, who cares? You know, there's so much else there's so much other good shit going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that we talk about any of it, it's but a, uh it's a beautiful, a beautiful majestic creature. <laughs> uh yeah. Um, um all right. So where do we right. leave off with this? Um uh, I don't fucking know. Um <laughs> how much how much more corona time do we have? Um I think that uh well we were talking about um we talked we we talked about the Yates. Mm-hmm. Talked about Tony. I mean, actually, I'm. Have you ever? What's in a Lincoln Log sandwich? I. That's what. That's one of the big things. It's cream. It's I just a hot dog important. and cream cheese, right? On like Wonder Bread. I thought it was just on like a you know potato roll, hot dog roll, or something. Is it Wonder Bread? Maybe it is. I had never heard of it Googling until now. Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of us learned what they are, you know, or learned that they existed <laughs> to begin with when we first saw this episode. <laughs> I've got when I Google, when I type in Lincoln Log, it says Lincoln Log Sandwich. What is Lincoln Log Sandwich? And Lincoln Log (laughs) Sandwich Recipe. I'm going to go with the recipe. I want to see what the recipe is. Wow. I mean, I feel like this is a pretty easy one to figure out. Oh, it is. It is hot dog buns. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a second. Okay. Are you ready for this? This is what the people really paid for. Yes. All right. So, um... In- ingredients one pack hot dog buns one pack hot dogs one tub or pack philadelphia cream cheese softened okay so here's the deal cook grill or bl- so it's cooked hot dogs you know broiled boil you know cooked grilled whatever yeah toast the bu- hot dog buns uh, yeah toast toast the hot dog buns open faced which you were right okay <laughs> hot take um but then listen to this Take the cooked hot dogs, cut down the middle, then place them on the toasted buns. Spread Philly cream cheese on the sliced hot dogs and serve. For Jersey style. Oh, shit. Right. (laughs) This is the twist ending. For (laughs) Jersey style, place half a slice of provolone cheese on each each split hot dog. Warm it in the oven until cheese is melted about five minutes. Oh, Remove shit. from oven, place on toasted buns, and serve. This is a good quick snack. <laughs> wow, I don't. I mean, right? That's I listen. I've been eating a lot of the same stuff over and over again. Uh, that kind of sounds incredible right now. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. It really does, doesn't it? My feeling. I mean, like, I think a lot of people are grossed out by that, um, and I sort of am too. But at the same time, not me. You you kind of can't go wrong with cream cheese, basically ever. Uh, you know. Well, you're also talking to the guy. I mean, I've been going going to cookouts at your house for years. Like, you're talking to the guy here who puts mayonnaise on a hot dog, and I will die on mm. that hill. It's great. Meat I needs like, loop. Yeah. I meat <laughs> I fully loop. agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, you you might have been the one to turn me on to that. I'm not sure, but at this point in time, I put everything on the hot dog, like ketchup, mustard, mayo, uh, relish if you have it as well. Like you know, the more the better. Yeah. I, I say, yeah. And also, there's a place called Criff Dogs in 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 Williamsburg, which we'll never see again. Yeah. Um, and we should be doing this though. They they have a BLT dog, when, and it's a hot dog that's wrapped with a a piece of bacon. Yeah, and then they fry it. 
And then they put on it this like slaw that's just iceberg, lettuce, mayo, and tomato. And it's so fucking good. It's like yeah. deadly good. I've had that. It's, it's just incredible. Yeah. I, I want it right now. Fuck. Fuck coronavirus. Um, <sighs> yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've been, I want a hot dog. Yeah. I, I've given it a lot of thought and I am strongly against the coronavirus. I just wanted to put that hot I've dog ha- out I've, there into the world. <laughs> I've, I've had it also. I've <laughs> yeah. really had it. Um, um, it's, it's a big no from me, this coronavirus thing, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a moment of being on the fence, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Um, so now that we've dispensed with the 500-pound elephant in the room, the Lincoln Log sandwiches, because let's be honest, it's important. It is. How many favorites does AJ have? That's my other big question, because Carmela makes him... To, I, I'm just going to infuriate our listeners by like not getting the important shit. Um, <laughs> this Carmella, is the important shit. <laughs> Carmela, not once but twice in this episode, claims to be making, quote-unquote, AJ's favorite, okay? What's the other or, one? Does she... Wait, does she claim the Lincoln Log? Doesn't she say, she says, I made your favorite steak pizza ole. Oh, and yes. that's when, when Kelly's over for dinner. Yeah. Um, and uh, Kelly, or uh, wait, what's his, what's Chrissy's wife's name? Yeah. Fuck. Uh, yeah, Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. Yeah. Right. Um, I think. And, and, his, and his daughter. Isn't his daughter's name Kelly? I can't remember. Maybe. Um, We've never what seen shows this again? <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, I mean, yeah, Jackie O. Um, but essentially, like, she says he's it's his favorite steak pizza ale, and then she tries to wave the Lincoln Log sandwiches in front of him. I mean, not to, I mean, not to bemoan the point here, but um, there is a lot of food sort of whiffing in this episode. You know, mm-hmm. like, like Carmela really takes a swing at making AJ feel better, like a couple of times by making steak pizza ale, which sounds awesome. I don't know what that is. Like I'm half Italian, and I, I imagine it's some sort of steak with tomato sauce and some sort of pepper, perhaps some breadcrumbs are involved. That sounds uh, also cheese. There's probably like, some cheese. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Right, and then um, the Lincoln Log sandwiches, which also don't work on him. They both of them, by the way, we should point out work on Tony. Like really yes. well. He's, <laughs> he's feeling all of these. Like, oh, I feel way better. Yes. Um, but, uh, and then Tony shows up at the, uh, at the, uh, what do we call it? The sanitarium? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you the, know. Clinic. the clinic. The clinic. Yes. The clinic. Where, where AJ is, is, uh, is, is, is staying with a pizza. He's not allowed to take the pizza in there. Um, AJ is, really not getting a lot of good stuff to eat. But after he kills himself, he complains to Carmela that he had some turkey that had no flavor. Uh, no flavor. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we know he has coronavirus because he yeah. lost his sense of taste. No taste for smell. Little twist. He um, is patient zero. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was uh, that's what we've been working up to this whole time. AJ Soprano is patient zero with coronavirus. Right. Right. Yeah. Imagine if we had Robert Eiler like on the pod, and that was what we like accused him. We were like, by the way, I don't know if you, I don't know if you read between the lines when you were uh, on set, but uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks. We're calling lot. it the, the AJ virus. We've changed the name. Right. Exactly. All AJs um, have it. Yeah. I mean, they. Uh, you know, food is a is a very powerful, uh, you know, comforting thing, and uh, I feel like. As someone, I, I mean, I, I grew up around a lot of Italians, but I didn't grow up Italian. But I, I feel like that's also maybe a, a very Italian thing. It's just to kind of 
eat your feelings. Um, especially maybe if you're a Jersey Italian family that's very old school like that. Well, it's it's like it's the, it's the Catholic Italian thing, you know. Right. But it's I also guess that's, like yeah. I, I feel like it's also kind of an immigrant thing, you know. But like yeah, that's true. I grew up so Irish, much and my show... family did that too a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, or just like don't say anything. <laughs> yes. Oh no, that's yeah. The, we don't say anything. That's the no. Irish thing. Yeah. <laughs> just like keep it, keep it to yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but no, Italians are very motivated by food and money. That's like, and uh-huh. I, I as cr- as kind of like reductive and like crass as that sounds, it's like really true. It's very <laughs> true. Um, I can I can really attest to that. Um, as someone who's highly motivated by both. Um, mm. so it's interesting because the food stops working on AJ and everyone's just like, what the fuck do we do? You know what I mean? Yeah. And like Carmela's powers are basically worn out at that point, you know? Right. Um, you know, she's done for, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where I was going with this. I just wanted to like run down some of these dishes that we were talking about. Cause like, in spite of being a particularly suicidal episode, this one really makes me hungry. This, yes. this watch. Uh, yes, I agree. Um, I really want whatever steak pizzola or whatever the fuck it's called is. And um, I might have to give a, a Lincoln Log a shot. Um, and before we move on from the food is it, thing, is, it, is it worth taking a trip to the supermarket during the time of COVID-19? <laughs> Can you push that one through Congress with your wife? I'll try. <laughs> uh, I might have to wear like, a full hazmat suit before I go. But um, yeah, I might. I, 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 don't, like, I don't give a fuck. I will I will sequester myself for two weeks just for a Lincoln Log sandwich. You know, like, we're, yeah, we're almost at about two weeks, and then we're gonna head back out to do it. Um, but I, I mean, I, I see a lot of people. Um, you know, I mean, everyone's doing the the bread thing, obviously, and I've just like totally just regressed in so many ways. I made Nashville hot chicken last week. I mean, I have not taken the Ugh, time to be super yeah. healthy. I've I've got full comfort food like. You know, whatever snack I saw, I just like fucking grabbed and threw in the cart. It was just like, you know, um, yeah, I'm in a lucky position, I guess, to be able to do that. But um, <laughs> well, this, is, yeah, this has been I mean, all we, comfort food for weeks for me. I I was like way in that direction for like the first week. And I was just like drinking and eating and whatever. And like, yeah. I just felt like total shit. And then I went way in the other direction. And um, I had a I had a drink on Friday. And because I had like I had hard alcohol laying around, but no beer. And I was like, well, you know, my wife wouldn't let me go to the store. And I was like, well, this is what I'm going to drink. It's Friday night. And I felt like Chrissy that time he takes that drink and everybody's laughing at him. You know, (laughs) I had a little whiskey and I was just like, whoa, yeah, fucking a. Um, Okay, so so anyway. (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry. Before before we move on from the food thing, the one little joke I love is... um, Polly, when when Tony shows up with a bang, um, and you know he the only he, they, no one's everyone's afraid to talk about it for real, but Polly's just like tries to offer some comfort by offering to send the kid to Baja Fresh to get Tony some food, yes. which was like a nice little joke. <laughs> but okay, we can move on from food. <laughs> I do remember when Baja Fresh was the thing. You know what I mean? Um, Baja Fresh is pretty good. I got to yeah. tell you, uh, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while. Um, so, should we get into the, maf- the the mafia business that's happening? I think we should. This is a very exciting mafia episode. Um, you know. Okay. So, I mean, Tony gets back. He explains to his friends that he, you know, he took uh, peyote and that the fucking was incredible <laughs> and stuff yes. like that. Um, and 
I don't know. Essentially, Tony's kind of getting going off the rails a little bit. Is is basically like the 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 gist of what's happening right now, isn't it? Uh, I I, I suppose so. In in what way? Like, and and on his in, on the business side, you mean? On the business side, he's sort of finally he's finally sort of shitting where he eats. I mean, I truly think that he's bored. You know what I mean? And like, hmm. he killed Christopher and now his problems are sort of gone on that front. Like, his business is like sailing in a way that is like pretty reliable, I, w- I would imagine, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing that kept him up at night is is no longer there. And um, I, th- I feel like he's bored or something now because he's just like, oh, okay, I'm here. Like, yeah, yeah. everybody pays me a, a bunch of money, but... Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, in-house at least, um, I'm sure the headache of Christopher being gone helps him sleep a little better at night. Uh, I mean, the, the sure. episode opens with him sleeping sound. Um, but, of course, the Phil thing is is its own. Uh, it's beyond a headache at this point. It's a full-on just migraine. And um, it's obviously right. com- coming to a head over the next couple weeks. I mean, next week especially, of course. But... Um, yeah, they are, uh, you know, they're whatever good relationship or good, um, you know, friendly gestures they were talking about at the end of the first half of the season. That's completely gone at this point. Um, you know, Phil is just in full on, I don't know, retaliation mode or I mean, he's just he's just not willing to work with Tony at all anymore at this point and totally just considers... No. You know, um, yeah, it's just it's 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 over between these guys. I mean, of course, next week it'll really blow up. But Phil is not willing to negotiate. Um, he wants what he considers to be his. And, uh, you know, it's uh, becoming a huge problem. Well, he's Phil has essentially like decided that like he made a conscious decision at the end of um, which episode was it? The one with uh, with Chrissy's daughter's christening, um, you know, he says no, oh. no more butchie. Stage five, stage five, yeah. After John dies, and um, he, uh, you know, he makes this like conscious decision that he's not gonna, he's not gonna do that anymore. He's not gonna play nice. You know what I mean? Right. Um, he's gonna take what's his, and it, it, it's really interesting now because he's in this position where um, it seems like he kind of goes back and forth at times. Like even, I, I don't know, like when Carmine tries to, to kind of get him, get him talking, you know, uh, and, and brokers this thing, as they say, um, it seems like there's some interference going on there on the part of Butchie. I mean, do you feel mm-hmm. that way? It's, it's just weird that like Phil says to Carmine, yeah, let's talk. And then they show up and Butchie's like, no, he's not talking to anybody. And, the, and, and then, you know, as they're leaving, obviously Phil's, Phil's all wound up and, and starts talking shit out the window and stuff like yeah. that. You know, it, it's, it's such very a weird, strange. It is, it is such a weird scene. And even the, the choice to have him kind of be like, I don't know, like this, like weird, like Wizard of Oz guy behind the guy, like up in the house. <laughs> you can barely see him. Uh, right, it's a, a whole strange situation. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, like, I obviously we know what happens in the end, but Butchie will eventually kind of come to his senses. But I guess Butchie is like a you know loyal bulldog for Phil here, and um, at least at this point in time, is 
egging him on, you know? Um, and hmm. interesting. interesting. Yeah. I, but... I don't know. I mean, they are, they're definitely like flexing their, their New York muscle though, over what they consider to be this like pygmy thing in Jersey. Uh, and, right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's fine. The show is finally also being real about that, that like, you know, New York is just, they dwarf New Jersey, like in a big, big way. Right. Entirely. And yeah. And, I had another theory about Butchie in this whole thing because, like, you know, Butchie is the one who winds up in power, you know, at least we assume so once Phil dies in the mm-hmm. um, the final episode. Um, but I th- I feel like Butchie knows what's going on. I mean, so Butchie's sitting there when Coco gets, you know, injured very heavily, mm-hmm. you know. Do we assume Coco's dead? Coco's not dead. He's just fucked up, right? He's not dead. Well, little Carmine says you almost killed him. So I don't know if we ever right. get an okay. update on how he is, but he's fucked. Yeah. We'll probably send him a Whitman sampler or something. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I mean, I think that... Uh, just ride with me on this. I think it's possible that, um, that Butchie has had it a little bit with Phil because Phil won't sort of just, like, let bygones be bygones. Let the past be bygones as... Uh, <laughs> as Tony would say. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it got his buddy Butchie like super fucked up. I mean, or his buddy Coco rather super yeah. fucked up, maybe a little bit. I don't know. It's like, I think there's a, a universe in which, you know, uh, Butchie blames Phil's leadership for what happened. It's his friend. He's sitting there. He's looking, you know, Butchie doesn't like go and retaliate in that moment. You know, obviously he's pissed, but like Tony's clearly like off his, off his rocker a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Like waving the gun in Butchie's face. It's like really weird. Also, can we talk about Butchie's enormous bowl of pasta with like huge, huge meatballs? Like (laughs) that's like a family size serving that he's just about to enjoy on his own, which I love. But, um, right now. Oh God, me too. Um, but I feel like, I feel like there's a universe in which Butchie is sort of setting up Phil. You know what I mean? Maybe. Um, I mean, well, he does, he does do that in the finale. You know, that does happen. Right, but, like, could could it be from this point, you know, because, like, Phil's sort of, like, getting ready to, to settle down and stuff like that, but maybe Butchie is just kind of sick of sick of all of this this bullshit, you know what I mean? And, like, just wants to earn, and, and he's, he has that illusion still that Tony has where he wants to just have this, like, this simple life, you know, where it's just, like, you know, things are things are just going. There isn't there aren't all these hassles, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's not there yet, he he definitely will get there. And I, I think this is also something we've seen on the, the Jersey side as well, where, um, you know, what was it back in like season four or season five when some of the Johnny Sack stuff was heating up and someone had to, I think still had to come to Tony and just kind of be like, listen, the guys are all kind of feeling like, uh, like this has gone on too long. I forget exactly the scenario yeah. now, but um, it's gone too far. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Phil is a very proud guy and someone who can't let go of any of the obviously the Billy thing and really anything else that's happened between him and Tony. And um, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, next your week, brother, whatever, whatever happened, happened there, there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and also just feeling like you know he uh, he brings up in in this episode the um, you know being in the can and his the grilled cheese on the radiator and. Um, you know oh yeah <laughs> um compromising 
Right, exactly. He's just... Uh, he also tips his hand again that he's gay. And so, not that there's anything wrong with that. I, w- I wanted to bring that up. I mean, I've gone on record that I'm a little agnostic about that. But then this episode, he... He, so he brings that up. He brings up that he has to have grilled cheeses on the radiator, as he says. And he wanted to fuck a woman, but he, <laughs> he jerked off into a tissue. And immediately after he says that jerking off into a tissue thing, there's a real hard cut to him putting a cigar in his mouth. And it's, of course, a very phallic symbol. And I, I, I had to just bring that up. We've talked about it so much here that, um, you know, I know. Uh, Phil, all... Phil, is a clo- Phil is clearly a closeted gay man. That's. All there is to it. Something know? happened in jail at the very least, maybe. Possibly. No, he ha- he had a re- he had a relationship with Don Vito. Like <laughs> I, I I'm sorry. It's just it's so cut and dry for me. Um and this is this is one of my I can't believe that this is even like debatable to so many people, including yourself. But I'm frankly I'm depressed and ashamed. But like <laughs> I think that it's so clear that Phil and Vito had a relationship and I love how, you know, these things kind of, um, these things kind of come back and like, you know, we, we, uh, we haven't lost all of these sort of original Soprano concepts, you know, like, Mm. uh, vintage Tony, vintage AJ, vintage Carmela. Um, we even get some vintage meadow in this one. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think we should uh, we should talk about that because, you know, um, of course, she knows exactly what she's doing when she tells Tony about Coco. There is no illusions in her mind about what her dad does at this point in her life, um, right. except except for when she just, you know, plays the denial card and, and lies to herself. But she knows what Tony does. She knows what he's capable of. I'm sure mm-hmm. at at this point in time, she's probably accepted what's happened to Jackie Jr. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's very much like she's become Carmela in a way where Carmela yeah. fully understands what he means when he says that, um, you know, Richie April or he doesn't want to make her an accessory after the fact of what happened to Richie April. Uh, Meadow right. knows for sure what what the fuck is about to happen to Coco when she brings that up. Absolutely. I mean, and she brings it up to Carmela initially, but I feel like it makes her feel better to bring it up with Carmela. And then Carmela's saying, you know, hey, I think that you could, uh, you should tell your father. And she's like, no, don't tell him. Don't tell, you know, clearly Carmela is trying to convince uh, Meadow to, to bring it up with Tony and mm-hmm. she doesn't want to, but maybe she kind of does. You know what I mean? Like they both she, do. She at least, yeah, she at least knows what's going on. Um, and then on top of that, we've got uh, our friend uh, Patrick Parisi, mm-hmm. <laughs> who is quite a handsome young fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Parisi, attorney at law. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're led to believe, at least. Um, again, all of these weird intersections of things, you know, like in the first, wasn't the first season. It was a few seasons in. Um We've got uh what was the season with the uh the sneak and peek warrant? Was it two? Which one? Oh, when the, uh when they show up and break the glass bowl and the or the No, when they uh, when they bug the basement, sorry, with the lamp. No, season, season three. Three? That's the open of season yeah. three, yeah. Yeah, so who would have thought that that, you know, 
this guy who hated Tony Soprano for a long time because he knew that he clipped his brother, you know, like <laughs> is going to be uh, in-laws with, with, with the guy. I mean, it's the yeah. whole thing is fucking crazy. If yeah. you would have told me, I mean, look at this. It's unbelievable. I know. And Patsy Parisi, he's a very smart guy. He, he knows exactly what uh, that means, that his son might marry the boss's daughter. He's very excited about that. And that one quick scene we get of them in the back of the pork store, you know. Yeah. Uh, very opportunistic. Uh, Patsy's great. Patsy's really, really funny to watch. Pa- Patsy's one of my favorite characters. I mean, he is such he's so funny. He has so much range from wasted pissing in the pool mm-hmm. to um to threatening Gloria Trillo mm-hmm. with you know bl- like scraping her nipples off of the fine leather seats which isn't <laughs> funny at all um you know to accepting veto. basically accepting veto mm-hmm. yeah it, yeah i think that we 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 said a we said a mouthful way back when we said that you know I think that Patsy Parisi is definitely with her. He's yes. one hundred percent the Hillary voter in the Absolutely. Room, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But you know what a yeah. great character to use in this moment, you know. For sure. And we'll get we'll get some more of him uh well next week he has a pretty pivotal scene in a way, and then of course the following week when uh, they have the whole sit down with both families. Um, but yeah, I, you know, this entire episode in a lot of ways is kind of, um, wrapping up a lot of stuff with Tony's children, you know? Um, well, yeah, hundred percent. This is where AJ was kind of always probably going to wind up. Um, you know, of course they, like you mentioned earlier, they reference a lot of stuff from his season two around the time of his confirmation when he was already feeling this way. Of course, Mm -hmm. growing up as Tony's son led him to be very depressed and ultimately try to commit suicide. And then um, Meadow is winding up like exactly where they didn't want her to wind up. You know, she's dating a mobster's son. She's abandoning her med school dreams and getting into law, you know, and of course, like we've heard her speak over time about how she felt it was unfair the way her dad was treated by the the feds and by the by you know um the fbi and whatnot and um and then she which is is such a bullshit take on her like how can you feel that way anyway yeah well if you're tony's daughter i guess you can but then and also in a way she's like doling out a hit almost i mean she doesn't know that tony's not going to kill coco i mean she she knows something's going to happen um, but Tony could have killed yeah. Coco for all she knows, and she was kind of like okay with that. So both I kids totally have, have, have wound up really exactly where they didn't want them to wind up. Um, Tony had said very early on that to Melfi that he wanted them as far away from him and his lifestyle as possible, and now they're mm-hmm. but they're so just inextricably tied to it that there's just really no way around it, you know. Um, yeah, and I mean, in, in many ways, Meadow goes the opposite direction of of Anthony. Anthony kind of has this like this subconscious like knee jerk, like I want out, like I can't do this anymore. And Meadow is just going closer and closer and closer. And you know, as we mentioned before, like she had her moment. You know, she had her rebellious moment where she said, you know, she's the only one who spoke up to to Tony about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she's, she keeps getting closer and closer to the coop. And, um, it's really interesting how, how she ultimately kind of 
decides to be in this place. What, what's also interesting about it is that there's all this room for interpretation as far as what, what Patrick Parisi is like, you know, mm. because they might relate over a, a good deal of stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that they're both like, oh, this is terrible. Like, oh, you feel the same way. They're both like delusional in the same way, probably. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they probably say stuff like, people are like, how did you meet? And they're like, our dads work together. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. that's probably what they say. Waste management. Yeah. We kind of hooked up at the Cleaver premiere, which was also an amazing <laughs> callback. Yes. Uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> what was he in recently? He has a mustache and I, he's really funny. Um, the guy who plays Patrick, Patrick, per- Patrick Parisi. Yeah. I, I got to remember there are people, there are most certainly people listening to this podcast right now, screaming at the top of their lungs, what it is. I forget what it is, but he's yeah. really funny. Um, They've been screaming wait, the whole I just time. Look it up. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, stop it, uh, <laughs> please. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll definitely get Patrick more Parisi. Who plays him? He's played by. Hang on. Is that, I don't think Is I recognize name? him, unless he was in like Boardwalk Empire or something, and. Or just, ah, know. that might that that very well might be it. I think it um, is actually. Now that I'm saying that, he's played by he has a fucking mustache. From what I recall, he gets off pretty hard. Daniel Sauli. Um. Oh, he's in the Deuce. That's what it is. That's what oh, I'm, I'm thinking yes. of. That's right. He's in the Deuce. He plays a mobster with a fucking mustache, and I just yes. mentioned, you know, obviously, he's also man. He's in like a his list is pretty solid. He's huh. in The Deuce. He's in House of Cards. He played Benjamin Grant. I don't remember who that is. He was in Show Me a Hero, which was also really good. Uh, um, great. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, so, he, his... Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, he's, he's in the uh, the David Simon world now, it seems, which is a good place to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the loyalty from, from HBO with some of these actors, how they really went on to do such great stuff. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, and they, just kind of get used more and more. They look like regular people, but like HBO seems to have some sort of loyalty with their character actors that I yeah. really love. Or these showrunners, at least, and the ones who live and work in New York and on the East Coast. You know, I feel like that kind of makes a difference. Um, you know, although you see a lot of them sure. wind up on, on Law and Order at some point as well, even like Michael Imperioli. <laughs> but, you know, because that's just yeah, that's but a, that's like that's a I mean, job. That's obviously, just, that's a you know, uh, yeah, I, I was gonna say, obviously, it's more for Michael, but like if you're a rando actor, like what is that? Like, probably like a quick 20, 30 grand, you know, like spending a week on the, the set of Law and Order. Sure, why not? You know, maybe, I mean, uh, probably more for some of these guys, you know, if you can say that. Oh, hey, for I was sure. on Sopran- I mean, maybe not Patrick Parisi, although at this point, if he's doing all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure it's a, it's a nice, probably a very easy day. I would imagine in law and order. Is. Well, well in, in the, yeah, for sure. In, mean, the interrogation in, the, in the deuce, in the, in the deuce, uh, he plays, uh, he plays a mobster whose boss is, uh, Jimmy Ruffalo or Jimmy Piccolo, Jimmy Pippolo. I forget, I forget what the <laughs> name is. It's like some funny Italian name. Um, but he's played by uh, what's his name? Who played um, Jackie April Senior? Jackie April Senior, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, interesting small world. Anyhow, yeah. good um, show. Good show, the deuce. I really like that. 
I do, and I, I did enjoy it. I thought that the end of it was like very strange, but like it really got the point across. It did like a really good job of being like, you know, that Times Square that you see every day. It used to be fucking scary, and it wasn't that long ago. You know, right, right, right. It was like yeah. amazing. Um, okay, anyway, anyway, so so, so Meadow and uh, fo- Sopranos focus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I just think that this episode just it required so much legwork to get here and it's great to see so much of it pay off you know um obviously a lot of the callbacks in aj's therapy the callback to tony telling carmela you are my life in season one and again gifting her this really like expensive uh what was it what what i forget the brand now but regardless it's you know he's again buying her affection and um twenty thousand dollar watch like no doubt yeah uh I just love how much his mob life is just really intersecting with his family life, um, right down mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Coco's tooth being stuck in his pants at AJ's therapy session. And it's like, you know, you wonder why you're not making any progress, why AJ is so depressed. And it's like, here is a direct piece of, you know, evidence, if you will, you know on your person that should that's now infecting this this space where you should be healing and working towards being better um and it's just basically impossible you know um yeah i mean like we said it before it's it's lay it's really laying it bare and you know i think that the final scene is really important because you know tony comes in with that pizza which i want so bad right now yeah um but he, he comes in with that pizza that says on the box it's it's hot and delicious and i believe it um (laughs) knowing tony it's definitely hot and delicious yeah um he can't take the pizza in but he goes to see aj after he basically like seals his fate to create a mob war you know um he knows what's coming he's no dummy he knows he fucked up like really really bad you know like super bad and um I think that he, I, I don't know. I think misery loves company. And I think that he's, um, there's something about his son being in that same place for him that, I don't know. It's just interesting that he goes to see AJ at that point when, mm. when he really has no one else, you know, he, he has that, he has that fight with Carmela where she basically blames him and he says, fuck you. And she throws the watch at him, you know, as quickly as he gives her the watch, she throws it at him. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's basically like burnt, like all the bridges, you know, his guys aren't going to be happy with him. Uh, he couldn't make any headway with Phil. So he goes to see his kid, you know? Yep. And I mean, I kind of, I feel like the show also feels different because he doesn't go and like in an earlier season, he would have gone to like Vesuvio, I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing like that anymore. Their world has just gotten smaller and smaller where it's just like them and their problems. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he's also just poisoned every relationship he had. Like, of course, at this point, it's not the same with with Artie either, you know, um, I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, they'll be there next week. I did. I I had to just watch the first like 15 minutes of Blue Comet, and there's a great scene in Vesuvio, like almost you know right at the beginning of the episode. Um, but we will we Thank will God. get to that. We will actually get to that because we have nowhere else. I to love be. that they gave Artie an episode. I mean, like I mean, I think that we've we've talked obviously talked about um, the uh, the Artie episode, but 
Yeah. I'm so glad that we got an Artie episode. I really, I truly miss Artie. I know? do too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll, he has a couple more scenes. There's, there's some, there's some the big American scenes coming characters. up at Vesuvio actually, uh, Bobby's funeral. And then there's like one or one or two other scenes at the restaurant. Oh God, well. Bobby's funeral. We're there already, aren't we? Yeah. Okay. We've made it almost. What we, I mean, did, did we miss anything? <laughs> Uh, we didn't really talk about Melfi, but she'll be back next week. And I do want to talk about like the bus metaphor that he brought up, but like I have some theories about how that connects to the finale. So um, maybe we'll we'll wait okay. for that. But um, all right, let's yeah. just try not to forget <laughs> uh, <laughs> about the finale at all. Was yeah, else? Uh, let's not forget to talk about the finale. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to go back to like a random. We'll just do Christopher again as our final episode. Good. That'll I'd be, be happy to do the, the, the worst Sopranos episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that the, you know, uh, Elliot Kupferberg invokes Yoshelson, you know, and that's one of the big, one of the straws that breaks the camel's back for Melfi. Yes. That's basically where that came from. And we will we'll uh, certainly did, discuss that. Did we get any questions this week? We did. Let me mailbag. Um, let me uh, let me check it out. Um, yeah, here's one. This is from uh, at, at President Wario, which I like. Um, That's a good name, Wario with a, a zero at the end instead of an O. Um, where would you Ooh. most like to be stuck in quarantine? The Sopranos residence with Tony, Carm, AJ, and Meadow. Uncle June's house with Uncle June, Bobby, and Murph. Chris and Aid's apartment with Chris Aid and Cosette, or Johnny Sack's house with Johnny and Ginny. That's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the obvious answer is the Soprano house because they have a media room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's one of the funniest parts of the episode is when, is when, uh, when AJ's like media room, <laughs> like, he's, like, he's just like, like ridiculing it, you know, yeah. as it's if he hasn't totally such enjoyed great delivery. It. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, but also not for nothing. I feel like the best house to be a guest in, that was probably the most drama free. And let's face it. Every couple is driven to the brink during quarantine. Cause you're just together like 24 hours a day. It's like so much, you know? Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's having spats and like going a little bit nuts here and there. I got to say the Sacramento house is probably pretty peaceful. They're, they're doing puzzles at night. They're listening yeah. to music, you know, <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. I mean, they have a great room, you know, I mean, that's how much space they have. So I kind of yes. feel like you could just like kind of get your own wing of the house and hang out there. And you know, Ginny has the best snacks. She has mad snacks and she can probably cook her ass off too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of agree with that. I feel like Johnny would just be like really measured about this whole thing, you know, and uh, just like a calming presence to be around when he's not like being a total rageaholic, but he never really flipped out on Ginny. So I feel like it'd be a, a good place to just t- to be. No, I think it's a great place. And you know, he's got a lot of booze and he's got smokes and like, yeah, and exactly. like everything, <laughs> like all of your, all of your vices are covered there. Plus, there's n- probably no drama around the house, and this is not unimportant. They don't have children, right? In the house. That's a, that's a huge thing. Yes, it makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah, so that's big. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the Sacramento house. I think I think that's that's the best one. I actually um, think that's great. It, it, I would do the Soprano house if I can have 
the media room and the, you know, the Sopranos need to quarantine away from me. So we're not going to like hang out a lot because I don't want to hang out. Yeah, (laughs) not at all. Uh, this one comes from, uh, at con Greg or, uh, he's going by Conor McGregor, but I don't think it's the real one. Um, what's the best, sure Sopranos e- <laughs> I don't know. What's the best Sopranos <laughs> episode to watch while you're smoking weed? This is an interesting one. Oh man. The test dream, maybe test dream is good. I think also, um, uh, Wow. I mean, I just think that there are so many, but I think it's yeah. not necessarily like the trip, the trippiest one. You know what I mean? I think that, I think that some of the, I, I would say not some of the early episodes. I think you want to go season five onward sort of, you know what I mean? I was going to say at least season three. Yeah, exactly. Cause they become less literal then like pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, if you want some, if you if you can really handle the darkness, I would say anything with Ralphie is always going to be weird. If you're stoned, if you want some weirdness, you know, yeah, because it's really dark, but it's weird. Yes, like whoever did this is like a, you know, it's already engrossing enough. So maybe if you're stoned, it's just you know, we'll take it to a really weird place. Really, I mean, like yeah, the, yeah. the bottle the bottle episodes in general, I kind of feel like are sort of good for that in a way. Like maybe oh, my totally. Oh, Pine Barrens is perfect. You can just like tie your brain in a knot like all day because it's also got some of the f- the absolute funniest shit that like you've ever seen in your life. You know? Yeah. Um, That's an, I mean, someone else um, at Carmel Christina asked. Uh, she's quarantining with um, some casual Sopranos fans. Of which episode would we suggest to uh, one episode for them to watch? Which which would we choose? And I feel like it's Pine Barrens, but like it might be Pine Barrens. It might also be. Um, uh, I don't know. Is it crazy to say Soprano home movies? That's a really good one. But if they're casual, like they might not, they might have missed like the you know all. The, you need so many details to really watch that. But it's also fucking great. So. Do you? It's a that's a that's like a movie. Like if you saw that and had never seen the show, you get so much from that. The story about the beehive hairdo. They mm. established that Bobby's never popped his cherry. That's you know, true. Yeah, it's like that's... it's kind of all there. That's that's a that's a film. That's a picture. It's one of it's one of my favorite <laughs> pictures. You know, <laughs> yeah. And we love cinema around here. So I mean, I uh, yeah, that's a good one too, actually. Because Pine Barrens also te- P- Pine Barrens is number one for sure. But Tennessee Moltisanti. That was going to be my. I feel like that was. I think that was the one that really, really got me into the show. It might have been even one of the first yeah. full episodes I saw. And that was one that I showed some friends just because it kind of has everything. And Christopher's such a great character, especially early on when he's like a lot more of a comedic character. And then you have that amazing mm-hmm. scene between him and Tony. And then also you get like an understanding of the therapy thing really in depth with Melfi kind of like struggling with the whole thing. And that is, uh, yeah. that's a good one, I think, yeah. Um, Chris, okay. I mean, Michael Imperioli in that episode acts his ass off, too. Even yes. Even if, like, his use of a computer is, like, comical at best and kind of silly, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, when he yes, throws everything right. in the trash can, that's, like, one of the great shots of the whole, you know, the whole series, really, with the cigarette in his mouth. Oh, man, <laughs> amazing stuff. Amazing uh, stuff. Okay, last one, and we might have even already kind of answered this in a way. Um, 
This is from uh, at Anton C. Burner. Who would be the first character to blow up on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> well, we sort of covered. I mean, AJ definitely. It's it's Rhiannon. It's Rhiannon. I guess that's maybe true. Yeah, he would just have her doing like these like you know cutesy slash sexy dances, uh, or you know pointing to the text and all that shit. And she's fifteen, so it's perfect. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, although like, like she's not fifteen. You know, I don't believe she's like easily 22. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, AJ is was my first thought as well. But then I also thought, like, would someone like would Patsy's Parisi's kids put a video of him just like being like an old klutz on TikTok and somehow that would be like a a viral video or like I always see these TikToks now where like these these shitty kids involve their parents who also seem kind of like weirdly narcissistic and who want to be on camera like getting involved with these little skits their kids do and I feel like Patsy is a candidate for that you know I think that I think that's totally true I mean or even Big Puss Big Puss well (laughs) it's hard to imagine Big Puss in a world with smartphones like he seems so like vintage you know right um oh oh wait we're ignoring a semi-obvious one because i think that your thought about patsy parisi is really right but i think that bacala goes into that category as well and i think uh, his daughter could yes. really easily be a tiktoker like a hundred percent right and like maybe she de- or, or or maybe bobby jr could be one of those assholes like i saw a whole tiktok series where like this this dude was just like he would just walk up to into into his kitchen and like pull a glass out of like the dry or out of the dishwasher or whatever and just hold it up and like film his parents while he was holding it up and they knew what he was going to do they'd be like if you throw that thing on the fucking ground i'll tell you and they're just <laughs> losing their mind all he would do is like hold the glass up and then throw it on the ground and break it but he did it so many times that his parents after a while were just like are you fucking kidding me they were going like nuclear every single time <laughs> i feel like that's some like some Bobby Jr. or some uh, some Vito Jr. shit. That's know? a great call. Like, for sure. That's a great Vito call. Vito Jr. is definitely in some, like, dark corners of the internet. Yeah, he's, he's on sure. 4chan. He's definitely on 4chan. Um, yeah. And even now that you say that, actually, I can, I can see Janice forcing the entire family to do, like, you know, these, these families who go on YouTube and, like, do, like, a, a stupid choreographed dance and, like, they're just the fucking worst <sighs> people. Um, I can see that happening as well. Like, uh, I would imagine that like those people in real life, a lot of them probably act like Janice and, um, they're awful. Yeah. Terrible. So please stop putting that shit out. Uh, I think you're a hundred percent right. I do. I really do. Uh, all right. I I think um, that wraps it up. Wait, just just to go back to the previous question, get your friends to like, look, we've got a lot of quarantine left. I don't know where this person is in quarantine with their friends who are casual Sopranos fans. Mm-hmm. Watch it from the top and just like let them gr- let them grow into it. You know what I mean? Don't mm-hmm. be like annoying. Don't be like, this is really important right here. So shut up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let them grow into it within the first couple of seasons. Or if they've seen a lot of it already, then maybe just start with like the third season or something like that, where you start to get into some of the higher level stuff. Because right. I think that I think that watching it through is really the only way to fully enjoy it. It's really hard to kind of get the bang for your buck factor is just so much higher if you have context for basically everything <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean yeah. yes yeah I, I agree too if, if they have already seen it or like casually then from like season three on like season one and two feels so self-contained but three through the end feels like it's it's 
like things from season three are still getting paid up. They paid off at this point where we're at, you know, like it's a right. Yeah. And I, I believe HBO go is totally free right now. Or like they added HBO to Hulu or something like that. So there's, there's, I mean, at least on, I pay for HBO now, I think, or whatever, whatever the one where you don't have to have cable is. And, um, it says that that's streaming for free right now. Sopranos is at least. Yeah, so definitely, I mean, look, we have nowhere to go. So I would, you know, you, you have 86 <laughs> hours at least. Um, yeah, I mean, we really do. I mean, it, it, I, I don't, again, we don't know where this person lives, but in New York City, I'm thinking June, like maybe yeah, we start maybe. going back to work. Like I really, California's already, you know, they, they already called it for basically the end of may so i yeah. don't i don't think that new york is gonna be like winning that race any or anything so i, I don't think they yeah I, I have no idea i mean for a long time i was thinking it'd be like early may and maybe some things will kind of start opening up but i don't know it's, it's certainly not what we do for a living that's for sure no yeah um, perhaps we should do a perhaps we should do a marathon watch for charity and live stream it and talk about it Okay. While we while we watch the entire series all the way through, and maybe we could have guests call in, like we ask uh, we ask Uncle Steve if he'll he'll jump back in and like give us a call. And be like, yeah, keep it going, guys. Yeah, let's ra- <laughs> like we could raise money for like the New York Food Bank or something, and watch the entire. <laughs> we can watch the entire series without sleeping or something like that. Let's do it. Um, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. I'm I mean, fu- I got <laughs> I got time on my hands. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to fuck around and join tweet, Instagram. Tw- tweet at fuck around and join Instagram. Tweet at us if you'd like to see that. Tweet. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we want to know. Yeah. Uh, okay. With that, I think that wraps up the second coming. Uh, another uh, top 86 episode for sure. I mean, this one is definitely, definitely. In there as one of the top ones. This is a top 10 final three episode. Absolutely. This whole of any sequence. Series. This is like a, we're coming up on a, on a nice like trilogy of movies, or yeah, a trilogy um, of, yeah, of episodes yeah, exactly. here that are just excellent. Um, and they yeah. well, yeah. So we will be back to talk about Blue Comet, which uh, is a very tense episode. So I can't wait for that. Um, and uh, <laughs> until yeah. then. I guess you know. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our OnlyFans. It doesn't. We got we got two episodes left. Yeah, but this it's about the OnlyFans now, basically. Yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna start a no fucking ZD OnlyFans. Find us on there um, for all not the for nothing. Maybe maybe we should do that, but we'll make it idea. free during. We're, we'll make it free during Rona. During okay. Rona times, our our OnlyFans is free. I would feel really bad, like accidentally making a bunch of money finally off of no fucking ZD during a <laughs> pandemic. At the very end. <laughs> At the very end, we're like, wait a sec, we did this for free for like six years, and then now it's like people, you know, the economy is like collapsing, and we made a couple hundred <laughs> yeah. bucks, you know. Yeah. Um. All right. All right. Well, I guess we'll see, you, we'll see you next week, and uh, it's only going to get worse from here. That's, yep. that's all I have to say. Oh yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.
drum We'll have a player locked up in the maximum Security cell, I'm gripping oak Music loud and I'm tipping slow Teeth steady twisting like hit this small Police pull it right behind while we sitting low the Windows down, gotta stop pollution City change boys like who is that producing? That's the plan skills when we hot and cruising Got warrants in every city except Houston But I still ain't losing They see me rolling They hating Patrolling and trying to catch me riding dirty Trying to catch me riding dirty